Good evening, everybody, and welcome to what's going to be a wonderful evening. Uh, we're very happy to have a wonderful guest with us tonight, Mr. Ashley Robinson, uh, who's joining us from Wimbledon tonight. And he'll be talking and sharing his knowledge and answering questions upon the birth of modern spiritualism. Ashley, thank you so much, sir. Uh, very um, something to get used to with this online thing. I'm never quite sure to look at the camera, look at me, or look at you, but never mind. <laughs> Ashley, we're looking forward to what's going to be a thoroughly uh, enjoyable evening. It's uh, one of the... You know, I'm very reluctant to say benefits of this time because I'm always very mindful of actually why we're doing this. You know, what is the underlying Absolutely. reason why we're doing that? Uh, so you must always pay due deference to that. But yeah, we are having to find what we're beginning to call now the new normal with things. Um, and it is interesting. It is interesting, but in no way does it detract from nobody wanted us to be here in this condition at this time. However, we are. We are ardent workers for spirit to bring over that truth and that understanding that life and love and ourselves are eternal. There is only the passing of the physical casing, uh, the spirit, which is us, which is what motivates us, which energizes us, uh, which gives us our character, our appearance, our way we are with people. That part has lived forever and shall live forever. So we're exploring all different avenues around that concept. So Ashley, sir, if I can hand over to you, please. Oh, good evening, folks, and um, thank you very much for joining us. I'm really excited to, uh, to be here. Thank you, Lawrence, uh, for inviting me. Um, some of you may know me, some of you may be wondering uh, who I am. So I thought I'd take the opportunity just to say a little bit about myself and um, what, uh, what my journey has been so far in, in order to do this far. So my name is Ashley Robinson. Um, I call myself a spiritualist medium, very proud of, uh, of the label spiritualist, um, but uh, it's my label. It's up to absolutely anybody to, uh, to put their own label in. Um, I'm 38 years old uh, this year, and I'm lucky to have been born into spiritualism and have a family and sort of nurturing supply if you like, of, of spiritualist philosophy and, and spiritualism uh, around me. I um, was always encouraged as a, as a young child to be involved with the church in, in any way, shape or form, and equally not sort of punished or, or penalised for, for being away. I used to enjoy coming to the church. Um, I know that I'll have some of what I call my church family listening today. And uh, it felt incredible to, to have that uh, additional family, people, above and beyond uh, my my blood sort of line if you like uh, people i'm proud to call proud to call family i am the son of ray and jackie robinson two spiritualist uh, ministers at wimbledon spiritualist church in south london and Hatbridge spiritualist church and i'm grandson of um, the late in my opinion Derek robinson my my grandfather and my grandfather Derek was a real friend and mentor of mine, um, not just within the family, but within spiritualism. Uh, he was what I would describe as, a, as an ambassador for, for spiritualism. And um, a little bit uh, about what he did in 1982 with some of his friends, Gordon Higginson, Doris Stokes, Jesse Nason. And that was to launch a new, a new arm, a new organization, a new arm of the, of the spiritualist church called Life After Death Promotions. And the mission was simple to share our knowledge of life after death, to prove 
there is a life after that change we call death and share the truths and philosophy of spiritualism. And I'm really proud of, uh, of that journey um, that LAD Promotions took because it influenced me uh, later in life where I was able to continue some of the work that my, my grandfather had started. I spent most of my childhood being very aware of, of spirit. And again, uh, in the same way that I say I was encouraged to, uh, to listen, to uh, feel, to use all of my senses to, to be aware of helpers, angels, perhaps other kingdoms like the fairy kingdom. Dragons was a big part of my sort of childhood and understanding how they could help and protect. My first element of really formal training was actually learning how to shut some of that down, how to close down. Uh, I was very well grounded and protected, but certainly by the time I was a teenager, I felt like I was uh, open like a radio, which couldn't turn the volume down all the time. And uh, one of my first lessons um, was to, to learn to attune better, to get a, turn it down and, and turn it back out. Um, and actually, it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming to see and feel the spirits of all of the time. Um, so doing that formal training as a, as a young man, as a, as a young teenager, was quite good. Actually, at the time, I remember saying that, uh, you know, I hope you don't mind, mum and dad, but uh, don't be offended if I don't follow in your footsteps. I'm not sure this is all for me. You know, I absolutely believe in a life after death, but that's probably as far as it's going to go. Fast forward uh, till I was about um, 18 years old. And um, two significant and tragic events uh, happened in my life with my friends. And one of my friends was murdered uh, outside a pub on Easter Sunday. And another one of my friends was killed in a car crash um, when the car she was in lost control and hit the tree. So I lost two friends um, to, to spirit. To say lost, I know exactly where they were. But it really put a test on, on my faith. I had a great belief in a life after death. At 18, I actually didn't know that many people that were dead. I'd seen lots of people get messages. I'd sort of understood the philosophy. And as well as me wanting that proof from them that their lives continued after death, I wanted to know why. I started questioning the understanding of the universe um, as I knew it. And that really set me on quite a philosophical path in an attempt to, to understand the universe better. And um, that really changed my spiritualist life. I started sitting in a circle. I sat in circle with um, a couple of different people, but uh, Christine Woodham, who's now in Spain, the Reverend Christine Woodham, um, who had worked at the Great World uh, Christian Spiritual Association, she had uh, led uh, me in circle, as had uh, Mary Dixie, um, a, a grand ambassador for spiritualism due to our church in Wimbledon, and then um, with Jill Hay, my uh, my godmother, uh, right up until she she passed away, uh, she was teaching circle. I've also been lucky enough to be surrounded, as I say, by, by spiritual people and spiritualists. I've done um, lots of opportunities to work in and around Wimbledon and Hatbridge Spiritualist Church with all of the mediums that I call friends that have come in and out of those churches. And um, it was only really probably about 10 years ago I started working publicly. And uh, this is where I sort of finish with the intro because for, for me, um, I suffered a stroke, a major stroke, a major brain attack. I killed one third of the brain cells on the left hand side of my head and um, everything went absolutely bananas. Um, I had no real recollection at the time. It started off um, with a bit of a break and the feeling that I was kind of getting drunk um, inside my body while my mind was quite sober, quite a scary thing. But um, my parents, my wife were quickly told that um, there was a chance I wasn't going to survive, that I was, I was going to die. 
And um, I'm glad that uh, they didn't give me that plain uh, English at the time. I was very aware it was serious. Um, two days after the major stroke, they finally got the MRI results where they sort of said, you've you've killed these brain cells and they don't come back. And um, I went to sleep that night and I asked for help. I knew that by that time, between my mum and dad had sort of started that, uh, that domino effect, as I call it. Can you please, you know, send love and light to my son? Please put out healing, text message, phone calls. And I was fortunate enough to probably have hundreds, if not thousands of people all continuing to send me that love, to send me that unconditional love, that beautiful light and, and healing. And what happened that night, I can only describe as, a, as my own little miracle because um, it was as if the room filled with, with light and energy. I was plugged into the mountains and I just started to feel better. I was asleep, but very aware that I was being repaired and being fixed. I woke up that morning, actually jumped out of bed, showered and shaved before the doctors had even come around and they sent me off for, for another MRI. And what the doctor said to me later that day was that um, I'd had a spontaneous recovery that no human intelligence was involved but they were pleased to see that parts of my brain that weren't previously in full operation or status now were and i later read that phrase in a book by harry edwards a fantastic spiritual healer um and he spoke about spontaneous recovery as being a doctor's way of describing the power and effect the impact of, of spiritual healing and uh, it was at that point that i really wanted to to change uh, what i was doing i wanted to work more with the church i wanted to work more outside of the church uh also sell uh, a great medium down on the south coast in, in portsmouth encouraged me to come to his his unit encouraged me out of my comfort of uh, women and hatbridge uh, churches and got me to do my first public dem outside of that environment and um had lots of opportunities out our spiritual and psychic weekends um keith charles had been working with my grandfather for the last 25 30 years we had this brilliant annual retreat. And I was always encouraged by people like uh, Ethan and my granddad, obviously my mum and dad, Ivan Lee, been a great support. And every every now and then just giving that gentle push, gentle push, gentle push. And uh, that's uh, fast forward to, to where I am now. And the final name I just wanted to, to mention also in Spirit Now is Ralph A. Stedman. And Ralph kind of came into my life around the time of me wanting that new understanding of the universe. And um, he's become a brilliant uh, teacher for me. Um, on earth and now he's in in heaven and i made lots of influence uh, from him so that's a little bit about me uh, probably went on a little bit longer than i wanted to and lawrence you've invited me here the uh, this evening to talk about um the the modern birth of uh, spiritualism yes indeed uh, absolutely fascinating lovely introduction and no it did not go on at all uh, too long <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm always amazed, actually, how many um, mediums and workers of spirit have been born into spiritualism out of a really hard time of our lives, be it uh, personal, physical, emotional, uh, whatever. But it's, it's almost like that's our challenge. You know, we have that one occurrence in our life and it's sort of like, what are you going to do about it? You know, are you going to accept it for what it is, or are you just going to carry on and think maybe? So yeah, absolutely fascinating. Thank you. But yes, continue on with your talk. You don't want to hear me. They hear me all the time. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, 
modern uh, birth of spiritualism. As, as part of that talk is uh, I want to define the word uh, modern because um, I don't believe that anything we're doing is necessarily new. We might be doing it in this life for the first time. I think that uh, a lot of what spiritualism is doing as part of its evolution, as part of its, its growth and its transition, it's more of an awakening uh, to things that uh, we may have known and, and well practiced. Because as, as far back as, uh, as history uh, goes, um, and our religion is a big part of the history, it was often the victors in history that wrote uh, the history books, and there were some big victors in and around you know, the, the major religions of the time. But as soon as um, you know, man, woman wanted to believe in something greater than themselves, there is this sense of a great architect or a supreme being, something greater than themselves. And although spiritualism, uh, people would say, is a, is a relatively sort of modern term, I find that spiritualism, certainly for me at the moment, I'm proud to call myself a spiritualist, acts more like an umbrella. And uh, I've been lucky enough to meet people from all different parts of the world that also call themselves different things. They have different uh, labels. But recently I've started to hear people call them maybe a Catholic spiritualist or a Hindu spiritualist or a Muslim spiritualist, particularly when they come for, for problems or nothing at all, just that they have, have an open mind. And as I sort of start that journey on what is modern spiritualism and, and the terms we use and, and what it sort of defines, I couldn't uh, do that without mentioning some of the ambassadors along the way. And um, I'll be talking a little bit about the Fox Sisters uh, Hydesville and uh, some of their early communication. And I'll be mentioning some other people, uh, some of my uh, sort of heroes of inspirationism, uh, people like uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and the Reverend George Vallowing. Uh, Helen Duncan is someone that I think um, only goes back as sort of far as the Second World War. But if you talk about the, the modern birth of spiritualism and chats with her granddaughter recently, there was certainly a lot of fundamental changes uh, with, with Helen Duncan. So if you think about the Fox sisters then, I think that uh, in terms of the birth of modern spiritualism, we're still going back to around 1848, and we're talking about the start of, uh, of, sort of modern spiritualism. Um, March the 31st, in particular, 1848, and I'll take it to, uh, to New York, at Hydesville in the USA. And the sisters, um, Leah, Kate, and, uh, and Maggie. And what happened um, at their house um, was incredibly unusual for the time. Um, Orthodox Christianity, if you want to call it uh, Orthodox Christianity, had taken a bit of a foundation. There was a, there was a belief in a life after death, that place uh, called heaven, but religion was almost exclusive to, uh, to the well-off and the, the well-to-do and the, the well-educated. Um, the Bible and bits of the Bible that had been interpreted, there was still you know, a school of thought, but not everybody should be able to read from, from such a precious document. And actually... Sharing things, like I said there, the truths of, of spiritualism, the philosophy, there was more of a doctrine of uh, people need to do, do what we tell them to do and, and sort of how to, to do it. But uh, the sisters um, were, were very important. Um, and the sisters um, were mischievous. They were, they were young girls. They were living in the, in the same room. But what they kind of stumbled across almost uh, by accident uh, was an intelligence an intelligent energy, if you like, something which they couldn't physically see. But what they started to hear was the manifestations of physical phenomena, as we call it today, which was a knocking and a rapping of the door. 
Now, there's lots you can read about the Fox sisters and Hydesville. Most spiritualists in 2020 would celebrate what we call Hydesville Day and that sort of uh, birth point. But uh, there are very different sides to the story. One side of the story is that all of those knockings, which actually made the sisters incredibly famous, uh, were totally fraudulent. The, the sisters, the girls themselves, even admitting at one point that they made it all up. But actually, if we, if we focus on the facts, we focus on almost accidental mediums, people that weren't necessarily looking for fame, but young girls trying to get a better understanding of this intelligence energy. And the fact that these knockings were intelligent, you could communicate the sense of asking questions. When you think about our mediumship now, and there's lots of people working online, how quickly, how dynamically we can engage with someone. But imagine having to say, you know, give me one knock for A and 26 for Z. Give me one knock for yes and, and two for no. Just imagine how long it would have taken to have developed any type of message or communication. Actually, through, through patience, a little bit of fame, it became infectious. People all over the world started hearing about uh, these knockings and they, and they wanted to know more. Now, I said I'm going to focus on facts. My opinion is that the, the fame uh, became too much for them. It overwhelmed them and it was an easy escape to say they made it all up. Later on, uh, they did actually say that they'd actually made up the making it up. It's the intelligence and the knockings had been real. And that house still exists. It's part of a spiritual retreat now uh, in New York. And the important thing from, from that message for me is that through this intelligence, the girls discovered that a young peddler had been killed. He'd been murdered in the house. and His body was buried there. This pen had gone missing. All of these sacks led uh, up to this. And it was the master of the house, looks like, that probably stole his money and buried his body. When that house was, was dug up in that basement, they did find the remains of who they believed to be, that peddler. And it was that peddler looking for a little bit of justice to, to tell his story, his point of, of making contact. Now, while 1848 was what I'm saying as a start of, of modern spiritualism, I'm throwing that caveat that nothing is necessarily new. In 1848, the whole world, as people understood it, changed. Uh, to coin a phrase, it was a black swan moment. And the Brits, for a long time, had always assumed that there were only white swans. And that was the world as we knew it. And then in Australia, they stumbled across a black swan. I call it the black swan moment because black swans can suddenly appear out of nowhere and it can change everyone's understanding. And that's exactly what happened uh, with, uh, with the knockings at uh, Hyattsville. And it inspired people to, to do this. The girls claimed to be nothing in particular special. They were what we'd call now in modern spiritualism mediums. And they had the patience and the discipline to continue to work with this energy to try and pass on uh, that message. And I think that it's uh, really quite uh, incredible. Um, another person I want to mention, so that was 1848, but... Emanuel Swedenborg, born 1688 to 1772. He was a Swedish scientist, a philosopher, a mystic, a politician, an inventor, and a writer. And the reason I want to talk about him is one of his books, Heaven and Hell, which was actually written in 1758. Uh, unpublished plans for a flying machine in a submarine uh, in, in this book. He spoke about seeing heaven, seeing that place we go to after that change we call death. And he spoke about astral travel and his dreams. So although I talk about this, uh, this sort of birth of modern spiritualism, I couldn't do that without mentioning him. The other really important ambassador, I think, of this journey is Sir Arthur Conan Boyle. 
1859, he was a writer, doctor, and of course, most famous for being an author of Sherlock Holmes. He became an ambassador and an advocate for spiritualism and a psychic researcher. And he continued to do what I think we do today, which is to challenge the status quo, to try and raise that level of what we call burden of evidence, burden of proof. And I think he was an incredible man. Spiritualism, uh, say through Hydesville, suddenly was available to every man and woman, regardless of their, their status uh, in life. It showed that uh, spirits weren't particularly fussy, that they would work with anyone. You didn't need to have been born of a particular family and gone through a huge amount of discipline and education, that there was this ability to communicate with spirit because at essence, our bodies, our souls, after that change we call death, it was that soul and that spirit that continued to, to live on. The um, other person uh, who's very important uh, to me, uh, particularly around this sort of birth of then modern spiritualism, how it started to evolve and change, is the Reverend George Vale Owen. Now, for anyone that's ever visited Women in Spiritualist Church or hopes to in the future, you'll notice that our sanctuary is named after uh, the Reverend Vale Owen. Now, he was born in 1869, and uh, he was a priest with the Church of England. And um, he was effectively given the assignment to disprove spiritualism. This wasn't very good for the Church of England. You've got to remember all of the history right back to you know, Henry VIII and Catholicism and uh, being, being a Protestant, you know, people being sort of killed for, for not doing the right thing or doing as they told. And you've suddenly got these people saying that actually uh, this was a challenge on the Church of England's status quo. So he was set off to go and disprove it. Prove it's a load of old, you know, bananas um but what he did uh, as he started to get uh, involved in this he became uh, an automatic writer he was influenced heavily by spirit who saw this as an incredible opportunity to have someone that was already involved in a traditional sort of set up church and uh, and try to influence him and actually i would argue that uh, even in sort of 2020 many of what we would call priests and vicars and ministers at various churches we're all claiming to have an inspiration or inspired. These people get up and do incredible jobs with their sermons and, and their addresses. There are people that say that through prayer that they can commune with, with angels. For me, at, a, at the lowest possible level, that is mediumship and communication. And I would argue that uh, almost every major religion and even some of the smaller religions rely on some elements of we take our insight from our ancestors or our guides or the gods. And um, I think that Reverend uh, George Val Owing doing what uh, he did, uh, he published a book uh, called uh, Beyond the Veil. And uh, effectively, uh, you can read this uh, report now. It's only just been released by the Church of England. It effectively says, do you know what? First thing is, there's absolutely nothing incompatible between the Church of England and spiritualism. Uh, spiritualism uh, continues with our belief in heaven. It goes on to prove there is a heaven and that these people not only live uh, and continue their lives in heaven, but they're around and they're happy to advise us and guide us and steer us uh, should we desire. They have all this philosophy which is compatible with the church. So I think he was an incredible ambassador. Um, he ended up being removed from the Church of England, which was really sort of sad for him, uh, sort of poor and penniless, but um, he was picked up. Uh, by uh, by people and um, spiritualists uh, ended up uh, grabbing uh, grabbing hold of him, hanging on to him. Very clever, in, in, intelligent man. And um, as part of sort of uh, telling this uh, this story and, and thinking about the Church of England, thinking about uh, the, the sort of Catholic Church 
I do think that uh, we continue to have this inspiration from, from angels. Uh, some of what uh, you would say are very special places, which even as a spiritualist, you'd say a place like Lord's, well, incredible energy, great sort of the healing properties. I mean, at a, a core level, you could say that when the person saw the Mother Mary there, what they were seeing was spirit, the spirit of, uh, of the Mother Mary uh, influencing them. Um, I recently learned a bit more about uh, Mormons, uh, some of it fact, uh, some of it fiction through uh, the theatrical story, uh, the Book of Mormon. Uh, and I went off and did a bit of research. And you've got someone, uh, you know, claiming to have received uh, some information from from God heaven, on golden plates, golden plates that he had to then, you know, hide and sort of not tell anyone about. But actually, for me, the important thing was was the message, and the message he received from something greater than himself, which I believe is uh, is the spirit world. Uh, you could argue that although I'm using a tablet today, and uh, Lawrence is streaming this on cloud. One of the first people to do that was probably Moses. You know, he took all that information from the cloud and put it on his tablet. Um, and you know, that for me again was uh, was continued uh, information from from the spirit world. Uh, Jesus himself uh, was was uh, you know for for want of twenty twenty spiritualist words was a spiritual healer. He uh, not only helped people and cured them, he's, uh, he's claimed to have brought people back from the dead. He spoke about advising his disciples and receiving messages. He spoke about God as his father. But I think he also, depending on which bits of the Bible you read and put it together, he also talks about God being all of our father and how he prepares the house for all of us and how within this mansion there are many houses, all these sort of different levels of it. So I think all of these incredible teachers, all these incarnations of people throughout history have all sort of contributed uh, towards this. But for me in spiritualism, I wanted to finish um, the, the sort of, if you like, the birth part of this story with Helen Duncan. Um, Helen Duncan, absolutely incredible physical phenomenon uh, medium. Born in 1897, she was a wife, uh, a mother. Uh, she was a physical medium. She was also the last person to ever be imprisoned in the UK under the Witchcraft Act in 1735. What an old piece of legislation, 1735, to have been imprisoned uh, during, the, during around the Second World War. Now, Second World War, like the First World War, saw a mass exodus of people going and people going to heaven. There was an awful lot of work for spirit to do to prepare for that. Uh, some of our guides and, and uh, I think it was Zodiac uh, spoke about the fact that uh, this, this war was not just against an enemy, it was against an evil and this evil that has to be extinguished. So you could argue that uh, you know there was no such thing as good guys and bad guys. But there was an evil which needed to, to be defeated. And what Helen Duncan was able to do with her physical mediumship was to give people absolute proof of life, of loved ones lost um, during that battle. And one of the things that allegedly got her into to trouble was not the fact that she, she was a fraudulent medium and in prison on the Witchcraft Act, but that she was too accurate, that she was providing immediate evidence of someone's continued life after that change we call death. And it's claimed that um, during a physical uh, circle, she was able to give evidence of a sailor who had died in a ship which had been sunk by the uh, the Germans. And she even allegedly manifest this sailor. You could make out the insignia of their, of their rank and their number and the ship that they were on. Now, this turned out to be absolutely true. But uh, what Helen had done is uh, effectively broken the Official Secrets Act because Ministry of Defence, the Department of War, had not released that information yet. This ship and its sinking was a very strategic part of the war. And what uh, they decided at that time is we needed to stop Helen Duncan from continuing to do this. It was undermining the war efforts. This isn't good for morale. 
And um, not only was uh, she uh, she imprisoned, uh, she was treated terribly. And um, in an attempt to try and disprove her, she was raided. Her house was raided during one of her seances. And it was at a time where she was allegedly producing a physical substance, so ectoplasm, something outside the body that people could see. And there was such a shock involved in that. The police officers allegedly tried to grab the ectoplasm to prove it was fake, only to see that it was this, this energy coming out from the body. It made her very unwell. And people would say that she, she died much younger than she should have done. Um, and a lot of people will attribute to that rate. But uh, she she dies uh, leaving a huge impact on on spiritualism. It um, was a time that physical mediumship was was building up, and lots of people started to do it. But as you can imagine, physical mediumship and sounds almost stopped. They certainly went into the hiding, and perhaps because of that element of hiding, and people you know looking for preservation of their own lives, uh, started to do this behind closed doors and didn't tell people uh, about it. And perhaps that. Uh, added to the to the mystery of spiritualism but this this doubt that oh if it was a problem anyone could do it and, and you would kind of have it out here but i think she was an incredible uh, woman a, a great uh, ambassador i am um, i mentioned uh, in my background my, my grandfather i think that him and many others like him um doing what they did in the in the 70s and 80s which was taking mediumship as it had started to develop and taking it out to the people the founder of Women's Spiritualist Church was a guy called Richard Bush. And uh, Richard Bush, being a very well sort of learned man with a, with a couple of quid a hundred years ago, had started using the Ouija board. Now, the Ouija board had kind of grown to fame as a bit of a Victorian parlor trick. It kind of fast-tracked the knockings and allowed all of that energy to be concentrated on some sort of glass where you could quickly spell out a message. I say quickly, it was very quick for the uh, Victorians, but uh, if any of you have uh, ever used a board in the right circumstances, actually it takes forever to spell out a, a message on a board. And again, that kind of influenced uh, what people were starting to do because people like Richard Bush would sit there on his board all night and they would end up getting messages like found a mission in Wimbledon. And Richard Bush was able to find a room above a stable in Wimbledon just over a hundred years ago and was told by spirits that there'd be some land coming up, that you should buy this land and, and build that uh, a church there. And people like him were incredible ambassadors to this. You know, this was a huge building, one of the biggest spiritualist churches in, in Europe at the time when it was built, purpose-built uh, as a sort of spiritualist church. People like that continue to help spiritualism evolve, evolve into the movement, uh, the philosophy, the religious organisation is today. Many people will say that you know spiritualism is far more than a religion. It's a it's a way of life, and people like Richard Arthur Bush they they made it that way of life. Um, there were great things happening with the creation of things like the Psychic News and other you know brilliant newspapers. People that started talking about this, that started sharing the message, that getting out of it. Everybody taking a bit of spiritualism away, realizing it wasn't particularly special to one person. Planting seeds, setting up in their homes, hiring the local hall building churches, this movement was uh, contagious and people um, were wanting to share the knowledge they had of life after death to, to promote uh, spiritualism and some of the truths within that. Boris Stokes, uh, Gordon Hingson, Jesse Nason, some brilliant, uh, incredible mediums and, and providers of evidence life after death, taking that, um, that spirit of what they were doing in churches and taking it out to the people and letting them know that, you know, you don't have to come into the church because spirit were around you, they're your communicators, they stay with you. I think they were incredible people. 
And uh, they certainly made it uh, more of a, a common day thing. You could walk into your high street and go into a theatre and you could see Doris Stokes or, or Gorgon Higginson. People like Harry Edwards doing incredible spiritual healing in Leicester Square in the middle of the day. Nothing needed to, to be hidden. And I wanted to just finish by mentioning a couple of other people. And regardless of, uh, of what you think about uh, their TV lives, uh, they're what I call TV celebrity star meetings, people I've had the honour of, of meeting, that have definitely aided to that modern birth of spiritualism. Uh, people like Derek Akora, um, uh, probably one of the best known TV uh, mediums, a great ambassador for spiritualism. And so regardless of what you think about some of the shows he was on, that man lived his life to prove there was a life after death and to share his knowledge of that life after death. Him, people like Colin Fry and others that continue to do it, Tony Stockwell, by getting spiritualism and the evidence onto TV made it more accessible to, to even more. They encouraged mediums to come forward, for people to sit down and uh, and to do this, to, to go and find their local spiritualist church. Now, if you can go and see Derek and Cora in the theatre, Derek would often finish by saying, now go and support your local spiritualist church. Colin Fry did the same. Some of those people that are still alive uh, continuing to do that. That's exactly what it's about. And Lawrence, you kind of started us off by saying um, about the strange time we're all in. And I'm certainly not in a rush to go back to the way I was living my life before. I do miss, you know, being able to physically embrace my mum and dad and, you know, give my sister a kiss and, and stuff like that. Actually, there's this sense of this new normality and there's this exciting opportunity. And, you know, I look at uh, my Facebook wall, which is full of you know, friends from rugby or civil service uh, or spiritualism. And what I see is that anyone with access to a webcam can go live, can share their version of spiritualism and the truths of this, can demonstrate their mediumship. You've got people like you, Lawrence, uh, hosting this. Uh, Richard James with Spiritual Productions. TV channel that uh, is is free and has had something like 400,000 people now watch dozens of different mediums and meditations. What an incredible thing to be able to do what we're doing, to talk about what we're talking, to have that freedom of speech, uh, to say what we believe with the caveat that it's my own sort of personal humble opinion. And you know, I for one are excited by that. I genuinely think there is a, a new normality to go into. I'm excited to be part of that awakening. I'm excited that more and more people are looking to their mind's eye to open up to the possibilities, to look into that new understanding of the universe, to challenge the status quo and ask for evidence. And um, that's exactly what I want to do. I'm very excited that uh, I've just put in an application to study to become an ordained minister with United Spiritualists. And uh, I think back to that conversation, I said, Dad, I hope you won't be offended if I don't follow in your footsteps. And now there's me asking for help to become a minister. <laughs> and that is to take that journey forward, to continue to do what we do, to tell people about that life we have after this change we call death, but to focus on the life we also have now. We only get to live this life once. And while I do believe in the ability to uh, incarnate or reincarnate, we only live this life once. And we're here for many, many purposes. Let's awaken. Let's find that true purpose. Let's go off and explore absolutely everything that we can in pursuit of happiness. Let's do things that make us happy with people that make us happy, assuming it's all lawful and legal and morally right. Go forward and tell people. Thank you, Lawrence, for the opportunity to talk to that. Ashley, wow. Absolutely wonderful. Wonderful comments coming in. Totally enthralled. It's so nice to hear our spiritual history 
coming to life. Um, you, you said a word earlier on, and I thought, oh, yes, thank you. Intelligence. This is something, you know, I feel some people sorely miss with spirit. Um, it is an intelligent, you know, we are dealing with intelligent beings. Uh, quite often you get people saying, well, I keep hearing knocking in my room. What do you think it is? I said, well, I don't know. Go back and ask. You know? <laughs> it's an intelligent, yeah, it's an intelligent person trying to communicate with you. Yeah. So actually you need to respond to that. And if also, we rule out the uh, supernormal, like the the heating coming on, yeah. and then once you've ruled out the supernormal, look for some supernatural, as you might call it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And the way that we work with spirit as well, um, this time, as I said in our preamble before we came live on air, you know, this is a very interesting time. I, I did say a little while back, in a way, we are now creating some new pioneers for spiritualism for working this way. You know, pre the pandemic, most people would have avidly avoided coming on. Oh, you can't do that online. But actually, you think about it, you're dealing with spirit. You know, you're dealing with this limit, limitless energy. So the fact that we're sat here online, actually, do you know what? It's not hindering them in the slightest because we are receiving that philosophy, that inspiration. I always say to people, you know, we are all mediums. We name not yeah. be the mediums that get up on a platform and deliver that evidence, but we can be mediums of inspiration, mediums of philosophy, you know, mediums in the, uh, the medical field, that inspirational moment, hopefully that somebody will get one day with our current affliction and go, oh, hang on a minute, I never thought of that. And that is spirit working with us, you know great and small ways so wow absolutely wonderful 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 we have a lovely question here from jackie white gosh there's a lot of comments coming there we go and uh, about God. can you see the comments on your screen ash um i can't at the moment let me see if i can change my uh my view there we go so hi jackie um if we all have guardian angel with all of us uh, like is it someone we have known in a previous life? And do you think, how does someone choose who they'll be with all their life? And do you mind if you are not tuned into knowing God? Okay. So, Lawrence, you might even want to add something to this. But um, I'm going to add the caveat that this is my honest, humble opinion. But my humble opinion has kind of evolved over a period of time from my own guides. And I mentioned a guy called Ralph A. Stedman, who's a brilliant author, has written several uh, several books. Uh, Ralph, I believe, continues to to guide me from uh, from heaven. And um, some of the things that I learned through, through Ralph, some of the things I've had confirmation from myself, is uh, this concept that we all have at least one principal guide. Now, let's assume that as a spiritualist, we all accept the fact that one of the one of the greatest things we can do to show that unconditional love is to provide service, to do something unconditional for someone else. It's one of the greatest things we can do. Assuming then that incarnation is possible, why wouldn't you, once you get to heaven, want to dedicate you and service to a new human being, uh, Newman, the new human being? and dedicate uh, you as their guide to their entire life. What an incredible thing to do. So I believe that we all have this uh, absolute principle guide. 
And uh, some of us are lucky enough to know them by name and, and understand them. They may have shared things around the personality they, they had when, uh, when they walked the earth, assuming that they walked the earth. But um, I'll be honest, and I'm working medium, I don't um, know my principal guide uh, by, by a name and a personality. What I do know is that my instinct, my intuition, when I allow my body, my heart, my brain, all of those things to work in juxtaposition with my instinct and my intuition, that is the time I believe my principal guide, my guardian angel, is helping me to do the right thing in the right situation. It's at that time that I close my eyes and close down my senses and open my mind's eye, that place where I store the shopping list and that TV program I want to watch. It's at that point that my guardian angel, my principal guide, can step forward. And lots of people would talk about this principal guide being the first person you need to meet when learning to open up as a, as a medium. The important thing for me is almost like in any education is you find someone that can teach you something and that you understand that you're never going to learn it all. You have this appetite for continually learning, continually improving. And my principal guide that I know by personality was someone that I knew while I was alive. It was my godfather, a guy called Bob, Bob Brunton, a brute healer and a medium. Um, he was the first guide I was able to address and identify by name or personality uh, when I was starting to work. And I see him as my doorkeeper, as, uh, as my bouncer. He starves the waiting room in heaven for people that want to give messages. Now, that doesn't mean that he isn't taking audience from my guardian angel. I still don't know. Um, but uh, I, I do believe we all have that principal guide. And at a core level, if you've ever felt led by your instinct or your intuition, by your heart, uh, I think that's the time that our principal guide, our guardian angels uh, are with us. And what an incredible service to do for someone for their entire life. Hopefully that answers your question, Jackie. Absolutely. I think you covered that extremely well. You know, our, our spiritual development is continuous, all sides of life, this side and the next side. Uh, I, I had a very interesting experience with somebody and I suddenly realized that I was actually acting as a physical guide for them while they were in spirit at this time. And I found that fascinating. That I, I, It's just suddenly somebody said, you're his guide. And I went, how can I? I'm here. And they went, well, you don't have to be over there. And I thought, yeah, that, that figures. You know, we're learning. We are learning. Yeah. I, probably one of the reasons why and we all suffer it, don't we, when the guides change. That is <laughs> every medium sort of like... Oh, they're doing it differently. Oh, no, here we go. <laughs> because we want to learn a different aspect and teach us a different aspect. But as we learn, we are also teaching as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely comments on there. Uh, lots of questions coming in. Wonderful. Just need to scroll down. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Oh, here we go. There's a nice one. Do you have a must-read book you would recommend? Yeah, follow your instinct and sort of intuition. But, you know, some of the books that have meant uh, a lot to me, um, Harry Edwards. Uh, Harry Edwards has written some brilliant books. What I love about Harry Edwards is um, he comes across as an uber-intelligent, you know, incredibly intelligent man. But he has the ability to describe quite difficult, complex things in plain English. And he wrote a lot of pamphlets uh, in his life around, you know, for want of a better word, an idiot's guide to being a healer, an idiot's guide to, to being a medium. He breaks it down into a very, very simple silence. So 
Uh, anything by Harry Edwards, uh, I, I definitely recommend. Um, he's been a big influencer uh, from me. I should, uh, I should also admit to the fact, I've got two little boys now, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. I've actually not read a book properly in five years. Um, I just don't seem to, to, to find, uh, find the time. Um, I mentioned uh, a couple of uh, people that, uh, you know, that, that influenced uh, my, my life growing up. Uh, people like Doris Stokes. You know, Doris Stokes uh, was just as famous an author as she was a medium. And lots of people would say that her books kind of made her even more famous as a medium. So she's written some, some beautiful stories. And actually, you know, lots of the books are available now. You often pick them up in sort of the charity shops when they, when they reopen. Uh, Doris Stokes actually gave me my spirit name uh, after a den one night with my grandfather. She came home with my dad. To, uh, I'd just been born. And my dad had said, well, don't disturb him. You know, Ashley's uh, asleep. So she went up to my room, woke me up so she could have a, a cuddle. And um, she talks about this uh, in a book. But she talks about the fact that spirit then gave her my spirit name. And for those of you that uh, have never been baptized in spiritualism, one of the things we do in lots of churches is as well as our, our given names on our birth certificates, uh, we give, um, uh, we get a name from spirit to, to go with it. So I'm, I'm really lucky that Doris uh, spoke to be able to do that. And um, lots of her books again give some, some really quite brilliant, uh, brilliant stories. Um, and most recently, the stuff I've been reading uh, is by the late and great Ralph Ace Tidman. Uh, in fact, <laughs> the only book I've got, um, the last book he wrote um, before uh, before he died, Spiritualism Under the Microscope. And uh, this is more of a manual than a book. It's almost like the A to Z of uh, things in spiritualism. And what he uh, tried to do was to kind of, again, explain things in a really simple science, the difference between psychic and clairvoyant, the difference uh, between, you know, guides and guardian angels and, and spirit helpers. Um, but anything you feel um, drawn to, that, that is the honest answer, because all these authors talk to us in, in a slightly different way. Yeah, very true. Uh, I, I always advise everybody simplicity really is the key to it we get so sometimes i think we get a little bit too immersed on um, reincarnation that's always a topic and if you know if it feels right for you fine it is right for you at this time if it doesn't absolutely fine you know don't worry but just nice and simple my tip for a book uh is magician to mystic absolutely brilliant came out about two years ago um and it really was a game changer for me and i'm i love reading i used to read uh you're talking about veil owen uh highlands of heaven battalions of heaven and all the books like that I've, i was weaned on those uh but this new one magician to mystic i just found really it was just like harry edwards i've got his pamphlet on guide to mediumship lovely do you know what? And anybody in my circle, I said, you need to read that. If you're going to go on this path, read that because that is sensible. You know, we're not away with anything. It's just black and white, plain English, like it or lump it. But yeah, very good, very good, very good. Julie Watmole, uh, any tips for seeing spirits? Hi, Julie. Good evening and good evening to, to you. It's uh, really great that you've all joined us. Um, I'll, I'll go back and look at all the comments later. So do let us know as well where you're, where you're watching uh, Lawrence's show from tonight. Uh, so in terms of uh, of seeing spirit, um, don't give up. 
keep uh, keep trying. As I said earlier on, they're they're not fussy. They they will work with uh, with absolutely anyone, and they want to work with everyone. Is is what I believe. Um, but it's uh, it's like a radio, and you know it takes a while to find the right frequencies to jump between the stations to know how to to go back. And it all boils down to this uh, this ability to to attune. Uh, so. You know, from a from a basic sort of concept in, in circle on Lawrence, I know you're a tutor, so correct me if I'm wrong. But the idea of never seeing anything uh, doesn't exist. Uh, to quote my circle leader, um, I think Mary Dixie or, or Jill said this to us. We used to sit next to my sister sometimes in circle. She used to call herself the silent dud. She'd close her eyes and go, "I don't see anything." And I think Jill said to her, "You know, what what do you see?" She was nothing. She says, "Well, you must see something." She was black. She was well, black is a color, so you see something. And I think it's this idea of of playing catchphrase um, when it comes to, to spirit. Now, I'm actually quite keen to, to see something spooky. I really love the concept of physical phenomenon. But um, even when I've been trying with the right people in the right circumstances, I think to, to physically see some type of physical phenomenon takes an awful lot of time, an awful lot of discipline, an awful lot of energy. So in terms of seeing spirit with your eyes, I think it's incredibly difficult. And it's often in the glimpse of an eye that I see them. I see almost all of my spirit communication in my mind's eye. And, you know, the mind's eye is, is a place I said, well, you know, we, you store your shopping list. But closing your eyes and going back to your memories to think about what you had for dinner yesterday, that itself is, is the mind's eye. And it's about clearing that. It's about seeing that mind's eye as a palette or a blank canvas and then allowing spirit to, to influence and although sometimes spirit have come so incredibly close, uh, I can sort of smell them or describe them or even feel their ailments, almost always it starts with the axis in my own memories. Uh, it's like a slideshow. Everything I've ever seen, experienced, heard, you know, smell, all of that already exists in my memory. And it's easy for spirit to go there. You know, for an example, let's say I was giving someone a private reading. Rather than for that person's granddad to come forward and say, this is what I look like. I'm, I'm their granddad. Uh, the easiest thing to do is to then show a picture, a memory of mine, of my own granddad. And if it was their dad's dad, they'll show me my dad's dad. If it was my mum's, you know, nan, uh, I see that. Now, unless that person know, knew my granddad, the chances are that spirit influencing my memories, like a slideshow, picking the right thing to, to sort of try and influence me. So great that uh, you want to see spirit and have tried Keep looking for, for things that are already there. Keep looking in plain sight. Continue to challenge the status quo. When you're not seeing spirit, what are you seeing? Is it colour? Try and get yourself into a meditative state if you're able to, to meditate. Guided meditation is an incredible gift. If you're able to go off on those journeys, brilliant. I always find that I'm still 10 minutes in getting rid of the shopping list. So I personally have a discipline which, uh, which isn't great for this. But when you get to that calm meditative state, it's so much easier to, to clear the canvas and start to see something and, you know, work with what you can see. So if you can't see anything but the inside of your eyelids, is what colour is that? And what does that colour mean to you? So, Julie, hopefully that gives you uh, a couple of tips. The other thing to do, of course, is to walk into your local spiritualist church or at the moment, stay at home and stay alert, so stay safe. Find uh, your local spiritualist church online, make contact with some of their helpers and some of their tutors and get yourself involved in a circle. Have someone leading you through this. Yep, very wise words. Lovely. Lovely one here from Jill Phillips. Hi, Jill. Yeah, absolutely. So the question was, do you think services should continue to be streamed online after the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I think that uh, I was looking at this a minute ago, uh, Lawrence. I think we had about 70 people right now live uh, watching this. I don't know how big your church was and how many chairs you had, but if you'd had 70 people on a on a Saturday night, I don't know if that would have been the usual crowd. I know at Wimbledon we can have 200 people in the church, but uh, we're more likely to have a dozen on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And we've been, you know, we've been reaching uh, thousands of, of extra people from all over the world. So with this new normality, I think we approach, there is, I think, opportunities to continue to engage with people. Now, I want the churches to be able to open when they're, when they're safe to do and the centres and the halls and everything else that's going on. But I do believe that we should continue to do this. And I think that people should continue to do this. You know, if they're, if they're not blessed with having their own church or their own centre and they can do something from home, as long as they're doing it in the light for the right reasons and they're being sensible about it, that this is an incredible channel and we should continue to do it. I also think that um, if you think about the the average type of person that uh, has the capacity to run a church, it often favours the retired or semi-retired person. And, you know, I'm thinking about my mum and dad uh, in particular here, Ron Wimbledon and Hatbridge churches with, with loads of help from really good people. But retired or semi-retired uh, people tend not to be uh, incredibly young. They tend to have worked a little bit to afford uh, to, to retire. And I think that technology has been a barrier for lots of people that people have had to overcome uh, during this epidemic. Again, I'm focusing on my mum and dad. I'm not uh, tarring everyone suddenly over 60 with, uh, with the same brush and saying they're all technophobes. I know my mum and dad have been intimidated by this. Um, it's, uh, it's intimidating when you don't fully understand what you're doing. But this is a relatively safe environment and experimenting online with what we can do. It's a great way of, uh, of getting out and getting forward and keeping in touch with people. And I applaud people like you, Lawrence, that are continuing to do this and spiritual productions and all the other people giving service this way. Yeah, most definitely. Add to that. Um, the wonderful thing is it's not all about mediumship, which has been a real uh, breath of fresh air with the online uh, events going on. There's quite a few mediums who are a little bit reluctant to work online, but they're more than happy to talk philosophically. We've got a, a local church here do a lovely evening of uh, philosophy. It really is. It's, the format's lovely. I loved working it. You get questions and answers, great energy. And you used to get like eight or ten turn up to it every time. Not just for me. I, <laughs> I hasten to point out. But, yeah, it wasn't well supported. But now with some of these events that we're doing online where we're talking about spiritualism, the spiritual aspect of ourselves, you know, with the live views and then watching it on catch up, we're, we're getting thousands are watching it. And that is so heartwarming, you know, because spiritualism, like yourself, is a way of life and it's a great passion of mine, similar to you, raised in spiritualism. Um, and yet the messages lovely you know i will never ever denote a message the messages serve that purpose of bringing healing for the person receiving the message also for the spirit giving it that is wonderful but it's a key to open up door to a whole new world and that door has just been pushed open that little bit further at this time and with the online uh, events hopefully that will continue all right Here's a question. I did pique my curiosity as well when you said it. So the lovely Lynn Clark. Hi, Lynn. Good evening to you. Uh, so the question was, I said, assuming they've walked the Earth, do you think the guides can come from other planets? I will answer your question, but I'll, I'll start it by making a, a couple of uh, assumptions. Um, the reason I actually said that is assuming they've walked the Earth is I don't believe 
that um, every intelligent uh, being, intelligent energy, has to come to Earth. I think that uh, Earth, planet Earth as we know it, uh, is very much uh, an experiment. Uh, it's all about uh, you know finding out about ourselves and, and experiencing everything. I do believe there are intelligence, uh, intelligent energy, intelligent beings in that place I call heaven, the spirit world, that haven't necessarily been to Earth yet. Perhaps they're waiting as parts of, a, of an incarnation, waiting to join an incarnation. At a core level, I know that uh, even from, you know, basic uh, GCSE science at uh, school, thank you, uh, Dr. Abad Abarka at Stanley Park, uh, everything is made of atoms. Every single thing, you know, this, this table I'm leaning on, this computer, me, atoms um, was uh, the Latin word, I believe, and I didn't teach uh, learn Latin at school, but atom. Uh, which was the smallest part. And it was the concept that scientists came up with. We're going to take a piece of string and we're going to keep cutting it in half until we get the tiniest possible beat, the atom. That is the smallest thing. And of course, right up until scientists discovered there was things inside the atom, they thought that the atom was absolutely everything. Inside the atom, they know that the atom is in itself even more component parts. Now, I'm not going to go deep into science, but other than to say that science know that an atom is energy and that energy cannot be destroyed. Energy can be transformed, it can be changed, but energy cannot be destroyed. Now, if every single atom is in itself intelligent energy, and it's billions of billions of atoms that make up me, and then part of that which is my spirit or my soul, which continues to live after the change my body goes through called death, then um, that in itself is atoms. So when I talk about assuming they've walked the earth, uh, I'm not assuming, uh, I'm assuming that it is possible have only ever had an existence as pure energy. I believe that heaven is a place of pure thought, pure energy. And uh, for, for that reason, not everyone that lives in heaven has to have been through this life on earth. The second uh, caveat or assumption I will make then is that if planet earth represents a single grain of sand in the universe, which is continually expanding, then uh, my common sense or dare I say, my guardian angels say, my instinct is saying, there must be other forms of intelligent life on other grains of sand than other planets in, in other galaxies. Now, assuming that heaven is a place of pure thought and pure energy, and there is only one afterlife, although there may be many houses and mansions within that, um, then everyone that no longer needs their physical shell to walk in the universe on a, on, on a planet to exist in another sort of way, then that personality, that continues uh, in that place we call heaven. So yes, I do think that guides can come from other planets. I myself have had no direct uh, evidence of that. Now, there's a brilliant uh, author, uh, I should have mentioned earlier on, if he's listening, to be probably up to, I didn't mention him, Malcolm Robinson, no family uh, resemblance, but an incredible man, uh, the founder of Strange Phenomena Investigations. And uh, he actually, again, like, uh, like Conan Doyle, set off to disprove spiritualism as a bunch of uh, frauds and fakes. And ended up believing it so much, became a convert and is proud to call himself a spiritualist now. But Malcolm's done a lot of incredible research. And one of the areas he researches is about life on other planets and aliens and UFOs, other intelligent uh, energy. So he's a good man to hunt out on Facebook and uh, you know, pick up some of, his, uh, some of his books. I do think there's life out there. I have not had that direct proof. I've been around uh, other mediums that have spoke about uh, existence. On, on other planets, but I think there are certain things we're just not meant to know yet. 
um, because we're either unable to to contemplate it or unable to to sort of fully understand it. But yes, I do believe that it could be there. And yeah, why not? If you've uh, you've had the ability of incarnating multiple lives and multiple bodies, and um, you've done that, uh, you know, let's assume you would have had to have done it tens of thousands of times on Earth to have experienced everything. Perhaps there is the opportunity to go off and explore it to another planet, or perhaps that's where you uh, where you start. Um, but that, that's that core difference between incarnation and reincarnation. So for me, incarnation is exactly what we are now. Ashley Robinson, the spirit and personality, that is me, the incarnation, into the new human being, the, the baby that's sort of born and conceived. Reincarnation is the concept that once I've finished with this body and my spirit goes to heaven, there is the ability to reincarnate in another body. Um, and I think that's the core difference. Thank you. Lovely. I, I don't know if you did that intentionally or not, but I just got the next question lined up, which was, what is the difference between incarnation and reincarnation? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Two birds, one stone. Well done. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Spirit have answered that then uh, as well. Oh, I think most definitely. Well done. Lovely, lovely. Yes, uh, it is quite a common... It was always a little bit disappointed when you used to get a, a really good trance stem going and you had the opportunity to talk direct to uh, spirit through the works of a trance medium. And you, you used to get that question of, is there life on other planets? Because my reaction is, you know, let's worry about the life on this planet before we worry about the other ones. Um <laughs> You know, and also we, we we're physical beings, so we are bound by our physicality. So we would tend to think of physical life on other planets. If, for instance, I'm sat here now in the presence of many, many spirits, we just can't see them. If I look for a telescope at Venus and I can't see anybody, is that uninhabited? I don't know. Yeah. We, we need to send a medium. Are you volunteering? We need to send a medium into the sphere. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, I think, yeah. yeah, absolutely right. And you know, who's to say that uh, you know before before all those atoms come together to form a, a human conscious and, and body that they didn't didn't start off as a rock or a mineral or a fish or a flower or an animal. Um, um, and you know, I think that the atoms become more and more intelligent. You know, they, they bound together and they want to experience everything in each other. Um, so yeah. It's an entirely different show uh, that this would need to go into sort of some deep philosophy. We'd need um, some science teachers to help us understand the metaphysics of it all. Very, very, very much so. I'm talking to a couple who are going to do an introduction to quantum uh, physics. I can't remember the exact term, but I know it's quantum. And that's all about the study of energy, which actually is what we are doing. You know, we are. Yeah. So, uh Lots of questions coming in. Do, 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 do. Right. Great. Thanks, <clears throat> Absolutely fine. We've, we've just gone past eight o'clock. If you need to finish, uh, whatever, oh, if you're happy to carry on, fine. Yeah, great. Entirely up to you. Yeah, I've got nothing on, <laughs> surprisingly enough. <laughs> so, Andrea Turner, used to feel spirit around me all the time, but lately I have felt nothing. Why is that? Um, hi, Andrew. Good evening uh, to you. Um, the honest answer is I don't know because I'm I'm not with you or, or sort of tuned into you right now. But you know, I gave that example of, uh, of my sister who said that she couldn't see, she saw nothing, and actually she still saw black, or the colour black, and, and the black meant something. Um, one of the things um, that uh, I think uh, is an incredible piece of uh, literature, or sort of poem, is uh, is is the walking um, the footprints on the sand, and you know. 
Google it, it's quite famous, but uh, the basic concept is someone talking about an existence greater than selves, yeah, e.g. God, uh, supreme being of some sort. And they say, you know, I often see the uh, two footprints in the sand, you know, almighty God. Um, during the most difficult times of my life, I only saw one pair of footprints. You know, where were you then? And um, I, it took me straight back the first time I read that to a school lesson called um, about World War Two. And it was where was God in the concentration camps? And actually for understanding then that philosophy around uh, Jewish religious philosophy of, of what happened in the concentration camps, looking at the, the poem, the footprints is when you saw only one set of footprints, that was where I carried you. That was where uh, I only focused on, on getting you through that sort of difficult time. And uh, I've spoken to a uh, religious historian uh, that uh, is also Jewish. And I said to him about footprints and then this sort of thing at school. And he said to me, it was an absolute uh, test. And, you know, he's, he's about the same age as, uh, as me. And he said, and that was the sort of thing that came from my parents and grandparents and that God was everywhere in the concentration camps and that we were meant to experience that. Now, I'm not going to get deep into whether or not we have to go for everything, whether or not there's this core destiny, because um, knowing what we know about the lives we live now, who in their right mind would choose a difficult life? Uh, you know, if you walk into the DVD store or the, the streaming cloud uh, equivalent of heaven and you can pick absolutely any life, why would you, knowing what we know now, pick a, pick a difficult life? Uh, Ralph Steadman would say that it's because you wanted to, because you wanted to experience the next thing. And um, thinking uh, if, if there are only four things you could choose, you know, if you could only choose whether or not you're a man or a woman, you were fit or fat, you were rich or poor, you lived in the north or the south of, uh, of, of the earth. That in itself would take you 20, 30 different incarnations of life just to experience uh, those different combinations. And knowing, of course, there are millions of combinations suggests that if you wanted to, perhaps you could incarnate thousands and thousands of times. Other people might do it once. I've worked as a human being on Earth. Yep, done. Job done. Yep. I'm happy. I've, I've yeah, experienced enough. <laughs> I've, I've seen the fast trips. So I think that um, if you used to feel spirits uh, around you at the time and lately you've felt nothing, um, try and look a bit deeper. See if uh, see if it's absolutely the, the right time. The spirit do try and um, make sure that they're making the right impact on us. I know that when I'm, uh, you know, I've been on a roller coaster of low moods and high moods and I've suffered a bit of depression and anxiety at times. And uh, I've possibly had less influence from spirit if I've been unable to, to accept uh, advice or, or a steer. So you've understood that feeling before you. Find out what's going on in your life now and uh, try and um, challenge the status quo and what it is you are experiencing. Thinking about that concept, there's no such thing as nothing. So when you don't feel anything, what is it you do feel? Do you still feel loved or do you, do you feel fear? Do you feel happiness or anxiety? You know, think about the core emotions. Think about the things you are feeling if you can't feel spirit. And, um, you know, try, try and go through some of those meditations. There's lots of available online free of charge at the moment. Some really good stuff. And Leslie Knight has been running a lot on Friday mornings from, from our church. Uh, Charlie Stubbs as well. Charlie Zenden says a lot of women's spiritualist church. I'm not sure if you've had meditations. You've certainly got people in your circle uh, that have been doing meditations as they are spirit productions too. Wonderful. Yeah, very true. Um, th that's always a common thing, isn't it? Especially when life is really at its hardest and you say, well, you know, this is why we're here. I would never have chosen that. Yeah, because you're looking at it through your physical eyes. You're not looking at it through your spiritual eyes. You know, uh, the learning, the opportunity, you know, our suffering gives others opportunities to express uh, healing, express, you know, empathy with us, uh, whatever. You know, and when you look at things through a spiritual eye, you just see the depth of actually where you are. Because, but we're physical, 
yeah, and we're looking at this time, at this moment, through these eyes and thinking, I would never have chosen this. Well, yes, you did. <laughs> Jackie White again. Hello. Good old Jack. She's, she's great asking the questions. I love her mind. Do you only give evidence of the continuation of life in the ring or guidance as well? What do you think most people want to expect from the ring? So that's a good question, uh, Jackie. And thinking about the subject of tonight, which is the sort of the birth of, of modern spiritualism, I think that um, everyone's kind of on their own mission and they all have their own expectations. Um, when I see our beautiful church at Wimbledon, you know, packed on, say, maybe a special night with one of our, um, our, our, our more popular mediums, for want of a better word, someone like Ivan Lee, the vast majority of people that have come into that church, and maybe if you've got 150 people in there, they know that uh, the chance of them getting a message is slim. What they enjoy is they enjoy the um, the entertainment factor or the comforting factor of being around other people that are getting messages. Now, lots of them are coming there hoping that they're going to be one of the lucky, that they're going to win the raffle, they're going to be one of the six or seven that do get a message in that hour. But actually what they're coming for is to see other people get evidence of, uh, of life after death. And when people uh, are getting messages, lots of the time, and lots of the messages, it's been a simple, tell mum I'm okay, or tell Fred I'm all right, tell, tell Sally I miss her. The messages have not been deeply philosophical. They tend to have been the message that people have needed. <coughs> so sorry for coughing. That being said, there are lots of regulars, you know, um, I call my church family, if, if you like, the, the same people I see sort of every week on a, on a Sunday at Wimbledon Church. Um, none of them need uh, new evidence of life after death. They all have an absolute belief in a life after death. So yes, it's comforting to, to see the medium demonstrate uh, just the different flavours of mediumship, the different types and different styles of evidence. I do think there is this uh, growing cadre of people that want, uh, want advice um, they they want to steer. Uh, perhaps they are struggling or they're in conflict with their intuition and, and their instinct and they're looking for a guide. I think there's this genuine awakening about the way that people want to live their lives from the choices around the food that they eat and the exercise they take and, um, you know, cutting out sort of electronic devices. People are making those uh, those changes. So in a reading, I try and give uh, the person, certainly in a one-to-one -one reading, I give the person what I feel they need, which is often then... Uh, steered by their communicator which is three or four absolute concrete proofs of their life after death so they understand their communicator and then a reading a reading uh, from that communicator that shows them how they've been around them what's going on uh, in their life and uh, where necessary giving them a bit of advice now I use the word advice as opposed to help um, that is uh, is because i've been researching uh, the consumer regulations which were basically Fraudulent Mediums Act and, and other bits and pieces. And ultimately what it says in spiritualism referred to be compatible with consumers is you you mustn't promise to do something or charge someone entrance into the church that, and then don't do what it says you've uh, you've promised. So help becomes a strong word because if you say you can help and whatever you say doesn't help, you're potentially at risk in, in, in conflict of doing what you say. Advice is a different thing. Um, and I think that spirit uh, will give us as much advice if, if we want. But you have to remember that Often it's that personality um, which they was attracted to their, to their human body that gives that evidence. So if you're really interested in, say, some financial advice and what to invest in, and it's your mum as the communicator, and she knew nothing about finance, she's probably the wrong person to give you financial advice. If you want old Nanny Leo to sort of give you some advice on your dodgy knee, 
and she wasn't qualified as a doctor, she's probably the wrong person to give you advice about your knee. But she might have been around you and she might have thought, you know what, I can see you're suffering with that knee. And what I can also see is you've been thinking about calling a doctor and you haven't. So get off all your backside and go to the doctor. That's the sort of advice that, that Nan can give in those situations. And therefore, the guidance, I think, has to be uh, to be appropriate. Very true. Um, you do have uh, some people sort of like hang off every word that a medium says. You know, I've had somebody walk in and say, Spirit told me I've got to wear red today. And I'm thinking, well, Spirit want me to wear red today. They can get it out of the wardrobe and iron it for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, oh, my caveat when I'm working mediumistically is say, right, Spirit, Spirit's advice is this. If you take it, great. If you don't take it, great. All right. But also, you know, as mediums, and especially when we're on a public uh, platform, that those uh, bits of evidence or bits of advice are never opening up any areas that people would rather not want. And also, you know, we've got our own safeguards. I don't know, probably touching on a bit of an area here. A couple of times I've been shown when a passing is coming, and I'm like, don't show me that. I don't want to see that. It serves no purpose whatsoever to me. Do not show me those things, you know. Uh, and you would never, ever, you know, as a medium, you would never, ever give that out. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, personal responsibility. Very um, much. I think it's, it's a big part of it. And, you know, as I said, spirit will work anybody. But um, it takes that personal responsibility and discipline of the, of the medium to trust you and stick to your intuition about what's not appropriate. Yeah, very true. Ashley... What an absolute joy you've been tonight. Thank you so much. I mean that. I really, really mean that. Uh, there's still quite a few questions on the side there. If you're going to flip through them and maybe answer a couple, that would be lovely. Uh, if not, absolutely fine. Uh, wonderful to see so many people on. There was a bit of a hullabaloo earlier on. It looks like Paul Church is going to get invaded by Wimbledon Church one day. It's sort of like battle cry about getting a shower bang up so yeah fine <laughs> i'm game it's a, it's, a, it's a nice part of the world and i will try uh, we'll try and have a look through the through the comments and ask you questions if, if you if you did have a particular question for me then do look me up on on facebook uh, i've got a page ashley robinson spiritualist medium uh, find that on facebook uh, ping me over a message and i'll do my best to to come back to you uh, equally post stuff on on the church and you know, other lawrence um uh, yeah, we all have humble opinions. <laughs> we've yeah. all got an answer. We've all got a piece of the jigsaw for you. What you have to do is get all the bits of the jigsaw together and make up your own mind too. Yeah, very true. Ashley, sir, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good evening. Stay yes. safe. Definitely. We do pay travelling expenses, <clears throat> so if you just want to submit those, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. It's absolutely lovely to see so many on tonight. Quick few notices. Tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, we have a divine service, as does Wimbledon Church have their divine service in the morning as well, also online. Uh, next Wednesday, we have a service at 3 o'clock. Uh, what have we got coming up? Oh, we've got one of our nights with the uh, in conjunction with the Spiritist Group in uh, Bournemouth on Thursday night. The no Friday night. Oh God, I haven't had a drink. Honestly, it probably has a trouble. Friday night, the 29th at 7:30, and we've got a speaker joining us from New York uh, on standards of mediumship. So, one of these 
knock-on effects of having uh, to work online is suddenly the world's your oyster. You know, we are so fortunate that we can really cast our net wide and far. So thank you all people. Please uh, friend and like Wimbledon Spiritualist Church page as well as the Paul one. That would be wonderful. Keep you up to date. All previous broadcasts are normally stored in the video tab on the left-hand side. The left hand side. <laughs> it's opposite on the camera. Uh, look after yourselves, as Ashley said. Yep, stay safe, stay sane, and yep, personal responsibility. So thank you all. Absolutely beautiful. Keep on keeping on. <laughs>